Welcome to Cure Chronic, a place where we have deep conversations and hear amazing stories about chronic disease and more. Here's your host, Becky Gale. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really excited to announce a friend of mine. This is actually Liz. We just started on a new venture together in a new business as well, which is pretty cool. Well, she's been there for a little bit longer than I have, actually a little bit longer than longer than I have, but (laughs) it's going to be a fun venture. Liz, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Becky. I'm I'm really excited to be here today. Um, My name is Liz Benendahl. I am 36 years old and I live on Long Island in New York. Um, I am a mom to three awesome kids and I have cerebral palsy. So um, I'm just really happy to be here to share my story and my experience with CP. because cerebral palsy is something that just affects everyone differently. Um, it really is a spectrum of a condition um, where it can affect someone minimally, where they just have some hand weakness, or it can affect someone you know, in their entire body and their lack of abilities have any voluntary movement. So what that means for everyone individually really can vary. Um, What that means for me (laughs) is um, I was diagnosed when I was one year old, um, just as as an infant and baby growing up, um, I wasn't hitting those um, developmental milestones. Um, So my parents took me to get some testing and evaluation and that's when I was diagnosed as having CP. That wasn't something that was a total shock because I was born premature, which is often the case um, with cerebral palsy. I was born at 30 weeks and I was two pounds and 14 ounces. So I was pretty teeny tiny. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, I spent a lot of time in the NICU during that time. I had a lot of complications, Um, both my lungs collapsed and there was, it was definitely a rocky road for my parents for sure. so I came through that experience and, you know, was growing, but just not where I was um, developmentally supposed to be or where my parents expected me to be. So um, typically with CP, it's often that people are diagnosed around one year of age. Um, I was diagnosed with spastic diplegia, which means it just affects my lower limbs. Um, So for me, um, once I got that diagnosis, that really began and really all that I remember because I was so little, just constant physical therapy, um, constant surgery. Um, I've had a lot of orthopedic surgeries over the years, I would say um, at least 20, (laughs) at least 20 surgeries. Um, A lot of them were to just eliminate the spasticity that I was feeling, um, a lot of muscle releases, um, and a lot of just orthopedic um, surgeries to try to help me as I would grow and develop and my body would change and my bones would change. And they, they're really, it always felt like there was a lot of guesswork as to what that would mean for me. And I do think that kind of remains the same to this day. <laughs> um, but what cerebral palsy really is, it's a um, neurological condition um, that just affects the motor cortex of my body. So as I go to move, my body is constantly telling my muscles to 
remain tight. So it's almost as if you're, you're moving and you have rubber bands against your muscles pulling you back, like resisting that motion. So um, it's just really when you go to ambulate, and I am fortunate that, you know, I can walk independently. Um, that's not always the case with CP, but when I, when I do that, it affects my balance. Um, I, I have a limp that is pretty pronounced. Um, and it, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to move. <laughs> um, for me, I do feel fortunate in that I have a lot of different mobility aids. So depending on where I'm going and what I'm doing, um, I have a wheelchair um, that, you know, if I just want to go out in the crowd, I don't want to worry about being knocked down or just getting tired. I'll just roll around and, <laughs> and live it up. Um, and that's, that's great. Like, and, and I have crutches and typically that's what I do. Um, you know, I'll go out with one crutch because now that I'm a mom, I need to, to hold, hold a hand. Um, and I have a cane and when I'm around my house, I just, I just lean on my environment. So I, I appreciate, you know, that I have different tools that I can turn to depending on my circumstances and, and what I need and, and they're available to me to just make me feel safe and comfortable and enjoy what I'm doing. So that's kind of what my day to day looks like as far as what I need. Um, but I'm just glad to be here because I feel like CP really is misunderstood and especially in the adult community. Um, it's really seen as a childhood disability and so often the narrative around CP is all around children. Um, and it's all around the fact that CP isn't a um, progressive condition that, which is true from a um, medical standpoint where, you know, the often it is a brain injury at birth that causes CP. And so that is what it is and it's not gonna change or worsen. However, the wear and tear on your body as you grow and age, it's substantial, it's substantial. I mean, I have, uh, I would say a milder, mild-ish case of CP, um, but it just, as I've grown and, uh, and my body's changed and just, how I navigate the world has changed and how it hurts has, has really changed. So um, I think that that's a huge misconception is that, you know, it's, and that's what I was always told as a kid was that, you know, you're really fortunate, which I stu still believe to be true in the scheme of CP, I, I am really fortunate, but um, I was always told and I always expected that it was just gonna be what it was. and it definitely is not something that stays the same. It, it, it's persistent and the, the other chronic conditions that become prevalent because of cerebral palsy, the secondary conditions like arthritis and things like that are you know often overlooked. Definitely. I think there are so many different conditions as well that cause arthritis and it's just so frustrating. <laughs> it's like the secondary to all chronic disease for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I was about twelve, and they said, "Oh, you you're riddled with arthritis." I'm like, "Okay, that's that's good." What is that? <laughs> yeah, what, what is that about? So, yeah. So, what do you think was the hardest thing that you had to go through throughout all of this? Um, I would say just growing up, and even even now. I mean, 
I've come a long way and I've grown and matured. Um, but it's always been not, not the condition itself. I mean, although it's painful and it sucks and it's hard and I don't mean to oversimplify that by any stretch. Um, cause I mean, it's just complicated and, and difficult. However, <laughs> the, the most difficult part for me personally has always been, um, just other people's reactions to me. And so it, it's interesting because um, if I'm sitting, if I'm in a restaurant and I'm sitting with friends and we're just hanging out and new people come and sit down and join us, they, no one knows that I have a disability. You know, I could have my crutch tucked under the table and I'm just sitting there hanging out like everybody else. And then as soon as I get up and I start to walk, that that shift takes place. And it it's honestly, uh, and if I'm being real, I'm, I'm sure that there's some level of me that's almost like anticipating it just because I've lived my lifetime experiencing that. But just the, the look of curiosity and confusion, and it's almost as if people feel like they don't know what to expect because it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, why? I mean, I've had people say things like, why are you dancing? It's like, if you think these are my dance moves, then we have other things to talk about because this is not the way <laughs> that I really think anyone's dancing. But <laughs> I mean, so funny. yeah, it's just, like the instant reaction is, it's wild. Like, and it, that is on a spectrum of its own too. <laughs> uh, so it's just that that like hurts because it's just that reminder of you are different you are different you are not like everybody else and people you know i think have the best intentions but sometimes saying nothing it says everything you know those looks and and just the fact that it becomes the elephant in the room it's like this is not an issue for me like we can talk about this and you can ask me and and if I don't want to tell you I'll tell you I don't want to tell you but like it doesn't need to be a thing and just from acquaintances to strangers and you know mothers with their children especially now that I'm a mom my kids talk about how I'm disabled I mean almost at least once a week, I would say, because my son is eight and my daughters are five. And so even this week, my daughter Scarlett wanted to ride her bike and she's has training wheels. And so she's saying, mommy, can you go with me to ride my bike? And I was like, no, not right now. And she goes, oh yeah, that's right. Cause you know, when you walk, you need to hold on to things. So you probably can't help me with that, could you? And I was like, I'm not the best person for that job, babe. No, I'm not. <laughs> so, and it's just, I just want them to know that in our house and like, you can talk to me about everything. And if that's picking apart all the little pieces of mommy, then that's okay because there's no shame there. Um, so I, I just really, even just with other children and, and parents, it's like, you know, that whole, shh, don't, don't look at her and don't ask that. And that's rude. It's like, that's like children are children and they have questions. And like, why don't we just, if your child's asking you a question about me, like, why don't you answer them or instead of shushing them or you can ask me. Like, I find I'm an approachable person, and I get that that's weird and awkward in truth, but it's just um, that whole, just this, the stigma of being different and disabled, and it, it makes you feel broken. 
Definitely. And I don't understand why people go from, you know, you could be having such a nice time at dinner, laughing with your friends, having a great time with these other people, blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as you get up to leave or you tell them that you have a disability, if you have an invisible disability like me, it's like you're all of a sudden different, even though you're not. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it's so interesting too, because like for me, for example, I'm an open book about my disease, like have at her. I actually know a ton more about other diseases now from doing this podcast as well. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, here we are, the people that are suffering with disease. And, you know, if you want to know something, have at her, like ask me, I don't care. Like I've, I have to live with this. I go through the ups and downs, through the ebbs and flows of this disease. Like it's just, it is what it is. It's yeah. not that I'm a different person. I just, live with a disability it's just you know like it's like people that don't have limbs it's like well you don't have an arm well I have a disability big freaking deal it's not a big right. deal right yeah. like it's yeah it's so weird it's but it's so it's true though like it's so frustrating people just automatically automatically change for whatever reason which is the number one reason why I'm making this podcast so that people stop doing that because it needs to become more normal there are so many people out there with disease it's not an uncommon thing not at all not at all and, you know, unfortunately, it's like, there's, as we grow and change, I mean, things pop up, people, it's like, just because you don't have a condition now doesn't mean you're not always going to have a condition. And I just think as people, you know, everyone has their stuff, like everyone has hardships and struggles and issues. And it's, I just wish that disability was lumped in with that, because I really don't see it as any different. A hundred percent. Like, and I find that it's amazing what happens when people say like they have a disease, but then somebody else develops cancer and the different dynamic of just those two different things. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, but I think that the fact is there's so much talk and there's so much understanding towards cancer and what it is and that sort of thing that everybody knows about it. But as soon as you talk about the fact that like, oh, well, I have CP or, oh, I have Crohn's disease. It's like, oh, okay, well, what is that? Like, uh, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's just not talked about enough that people don't, don't think that it's a, I don't know, a well-known fact to be a normal thing, if you will. Right, right. Which is crazy because I, I just feel like, I mean, with CP, there's, 17 million people in the world with CP. Like, why are, why is this not talked about more? And why isn't it more, you know, the research there, or just the awareness, the awareness? Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Why? Why? You know, but you would think that, like, especially people that have families that have disease. Like, so I just did a, a study recently. So one in... Back when I first got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, it was crazy. It was like one in three people had some type of IBD. One in three, that's 30%, which is crazy. Or no, wait, hold on. One in three people, I'm going to take that back. One in three people have a chronic illness, like chronic disease. It's one in nine people have IBD. Sorry, got my facts wrong there. But anywho, yeah. so it's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> just like, wait, <laughs> hold on a second. Just got back from my weekend. My head's like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we are, 30% of the Canadian population has some type of chronic illness, and yet it's still so unknown. Why? So interesting. 
so yeah. frustrating really yes yeah yeah who knows so what do you think has been the best thing to come from all of this um there's been a lot of good i mean just i think that i don't know any different than cerebral palsy i don't that's all i know so um for me it's this just is the my life and and i have a acceptance and appreciation for my life and and what that looks like and part of the, that appreciation is really knowing that I have a unique perspective that other people don't have. And I think that just human nature is you don't really understand something unless you walk in someone's shoes. It's just the way it is. And we try and we try to educate ourselves and be compassionate and, and learn, but you don't really understand. And I think that as someone with a disability, of course, I don't know everyone's unique situation, but I do understand what that feels like. I understand what it feels like to be, um, to be misunderstood, to be, you know, feel alone or feel isolated or feel like, you know, nobody really gets you. And I think just having that experience as difficult as it was and is at times, I, I just really care about people and I, I really see value in having gone through my life with that awareness and having my eyes open to what that could mean for somebody and maybe what I could do to help them um, because of my CP. So I do think that it gives me, it gives me, I don't know. It, I, I just think it does make me unique and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know, I know now that you're doing life coaching for people with disabilities as well. Yes, yeah. I am. And I, and you know what always makes me laugh, Becky, is that I, this occurs to me a couple months back. I'm like, wait a minute. I have found myself in a career where I could honestly and truly, I could coach whoever I wanted. I could sit in front of my computer on my Zoom. Nobody would ever know that I had a disability. Like I just could take that piece of me and leave it in its place and do my work because I still think that I would be an effective coach, whether I, no matter who I was coaching. And I'm like, wow, isn't that like, it almost like blew my mind. Cause I'm like, why did I do that? Like, why do I talk about it? and and why did I make that really the center of what I'm doing as a life coach when I could have just not gone that direction at all? And it makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, that would have been like kind of interesting to just see how that, <laughs> see how that was because I've never had that experience. But clearly I don't want it because I more so now than ever as a life coach and you know, connecting with individuals with disabilities and moms with disabilities and parents of children with disabilities. I just, I, I love sharing my experience. I love hearing theirs. And I, I love that we can connect on that level. Um, I mean, that is my niche and, and that's who I serve. And I do think that the need is there. And I think that I, my ability to share my voice and 
platforms like yours where people can tell their stories and just be heard and be honest and real about what's going on is like, there's so much value in that. Um, so yeah, I, I love what I do as a life coach. Um, I love the We Live Without Limits division that I work for, for Feller International. Um, and it's really just all about helping people in their unique circumstances kind of overcome those roadblocks and focus on their strengths and um, just live the life that they want to live, whatever that looks like. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's it's so interesting about, you know, your your niche and how you got there sort of thing. Because I always thought that in my life, I wanted to help people, but I just didn't know what and like how or where or what, that sort of thing. And then finally, I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast for people with disease. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, it's, it's great though, because I think that there's something to say about people with disease. You can kind of connect on another level with a person with disease because you automatically, regardless of if the person has, like, for example, you and I, like Crohn's and CP, it's like, we have very different diseases, but at the same time, I can understand and I can empathize with the fact that with the pain that you went through, for example, and the, and the daily frustrations and the fact that today is not going to be as good as tomorrow or tomorrow is going to be better than today, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, especially as a life coach and especially as, um, you know, someone that that's just in that profession of, of being with other people, for example, it's just, you can just relate to people that much more when you have a disease for whatever reason, it's so strange. It is strange. It is. Yeah. But I really think it's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like every single person so far that I've talked to on my podcast, like a good port, like I haven't had a bad one yet where it's like, okay, this is really awkward and I don't really like you. It's like, oh, no, we can relate on so many different levels. And it's like, there's been some of them where I'm much like, can I have your phone number? Do you want to hang out sometime? <laughs> like we could do zoom coffees. Is that okay? You know, cause yeah. you just connect on, on such a, on a, such a different level. It's just, it's crazy. So it's, it's a good awesome. niche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be? Oh my goodness. So many things. Um, to breathe, to breathe. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I'm still like a highly emotional person, highly emotional. And you know, I just had years of anxiety and depression and, you know, that anxiety still there, <laughs> but it's just, I really was like gripped by that for so long, um, where I just didn't know where, how I was going to find my place or where I fit in or, and just feeling, um, disconnected from other people in a big way and feeling like I wasn't really seen for who I am. Um, and so if I could go back, I would tell my younger self, like, don't even worry about that because what other people think of you is really not your business. Like that is not, because that is not the truth of who you are. And to just speak like, and use your voice. And I, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an advocate by any means. I, cause I don't, want to speak for anyone else. I just want to help other people feel comfortable to speak for themselves. Um, and 
once I was able to do that, once I started writing and just sharing my story and connecting with the disability community um, through coaching or social media or whatever it was, um, you know, I just found such strength in just being able to say, yeah, this is, this is me, this is my situation, and I have CP, and, and there's a lot more to me than that, but, like, let's talk about that. Like, it's not, it wasn't always something that I could talk about or that I felt comfortable with. Uh, there was just so many years where I, and I just actually wrote a piece about this, but I was so determined to have other people know that CP was just a piece of me. It's not who I am. It's a piece of me. And to show them all the other sides of me. And it's like, just calm down with that. You know, like I just needed to calm down with that and realize that like, I can just be me and I have nothing to prove to anyone. Um, I have nothing to prove and I can just be myself and, and that's good enough. And you know, yeah, I, I guess all of that is the beginning of what I would say to my younger self. <laughs> Definitely. And it's amazing when we, when we start taking control of our lives and we don't allow the disease to control us, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're not the disease. It's just a small, it's just what we have. It's just, it's, it's not a big deal sort of thing. And I think that there are a lot of people, especially when you get first diagnosed with something or when you're not as, like, I just find that in your 20s, it's just a really, really harsh rocking ship, especially with a, you're dealing with, you know, just coming out of being a teenager. So you're not very like witty or smart or like wise, I should say. You could be smart, but you're not super wise. You know, mm -hmm. you're out partying, you want to go out with your friends, you want to do whatever you want to do. And like, and then you have this disease and you think it's the end of the world. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to live with this forever. What am I going to do? You know, and then closer to like your mid twenties to your later twenties, you realize, oh, it's not that bad. I can live yeah. with this. It's fine. You know? Mm -hmm. And then you get to a stage where you're just like, yeah, like it's like in the back of my mind, like it's, you know, my, my Crohn's disease, it's that thing in the corner over there, way over there. It's not a big deal. Here I, I am though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's I just know. for some reason you have to go through that massive like shift in your life before you can actually be okay with the fact that you have a disease that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Like, it's like, I don't know what it is. You just have to go through the grief of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt that even as someone who, you know, I've had this my entire life. Mm -hmm. I, you know, went through my younger years and I, and I, I didn't feel overly impacted um, I would say, and then in my 20s, like you said, you know, that's when I was like, oh, like my back's hurting, and oh, I'm getting real tired, and I'm not feeling so hot, and just like, why am I hurting? And then it was like, I just felt like year after year, I was like getting worse, and I'm like, wait a second, like I have a problem here, like this is this is getting really bad, really fast, and at that point by the time that I, I was like, got my head out of the place of denial and realized like, I have a situation on my hands here. <laughs> I already, I was married and had three kids and my son, you know, I, my son's eight and then I have, my twins are five. So I had three little ones and I was like, 
I'm a horrible mother. Like, I'm not even going to be able to take care of them because I'm just going to, I felt like I was 80. I literally felt like I was just going downhill fast. And so I eventually came to one day I called my mom up and I just like lost it. And I, I was like hysterical and I couldn't even talk. I was so hysterical. And I was like, I'm in pain every day. Like I can't even move. I feel like I can't move. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I was scared because I just felt the decline as my little kids are like crawling around the floor. And I was like, this is like too much for me. So then, you know, just having that moment of, okay, like, you are in pain and you can't deny it anymore because I mean, nobody in my life knew that I was in so much pain because I didn't want them to know. And I just felt like I was scared with what I was feeling. I was scared with what was happening and acknowledging it wasn't going to make it go away. And I didn't, and it's like, I didn't even know how to talk about it or how to face it. So I would literally cry in the shower. I cry at night when everyone else was asleep just because I needed to like I said, I'm like super emotional. So I needed to cry about it, but I just needed to get through the day first. And so just from having that like major breakdown, the next day, my mom came and was like, Liz, I think I found something that, that could help you. And she found this um, surgeon in St. Louis, Missouri, who does a procedure. It's called a SDR. It's a selective dorsal rhizotomy. And it's a spinal surgery where they go in and they test for at the neural rootlet in your spine. Um, they establish a baseline, and then whatever is over that threshold, um, they cut. They cut the rootlets in your spine so that way your signals, those highly misfiring signals, um, are no longer. So that that began like this big process for me, where I was like, okay, I need to. I need this surgery. Like this. I, this is what's going to help me. And there's an application process for adults because, like I said, it's really all about kids. Um, and there's a lot more access to care for children. So um, I, I just really, that fueled me forward and, like, got me healthy. I lost a substantial amount of weight. I started exercising and getting myself fit just so I would be a candidate for this surgery. And ultimately I was, and I had the surgery just, it's with the three-year anniversary of that operation um, just this month, but just having the, that breakdown of like, there needs to be something else that I can do here because I, I don't know what things are going to look like if I don't make a healthy change or any change. And so um, that, that was life-changing for me, just going through that operation. And, you know, it didn't, I still have CP. It didn't, it didn't cut all those spasticity away. It didn't, you know, it, there's no cure and that's not it either. <laughs> but I mean, it really made a big difference for me and just, just feeling better and just having a little bit more ease of motion and cut back on my pain. So I think the breakdown is a beautiful thing sometimes. I think that it's the beginning of a, a new way. Definitely. And I think that, you know, there are so many people out there and like, I am a huge candidate for this, that 
when you get the a disease and you know you go through a denial phase for sure and i think i went through a denial phase for about 8 years of like i don't have a disease i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine whatever i'm fine right but then once you realize that okay maybe i do have this disease and this is this is like what my life looks like that's when you kind of spiral and you like you suppress emotions, you don't want to talk about it because you don't have the disease, right? So for eight years, I didn't have Crohn's disease. I was just suppressing emotions though. <laughs> and when you have those blowups and you have those times where, okay, what, well, what do I do? You know, it's like, it, number one, it takes so much weight off your shoulders. Like, okay, I can handle this. I can deal with this. What's my next step? But also, when you have these emotional breakdowns, you most of the time break down to someone who loves you, and now they understand you and understand your disease more, and so your support system kind of grows from there. But the other crazy thing I think that happens once you have that initial breakdown is it opens you up to becoming more vulnerable about your story, which is so important because then you start talking about it more and more and more, and then it just yeah, okay, it becomes a part of you, but then you become comfortable with it. And then it's like, okay, well, this doesn't define me anymore. Even though for yeah. such a long time, it's like you deny, 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 deny. So, mm -hmm. so interesting. Our brains are weird. <laughs> like so our, why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> right, right, I know. And it's so, it, like you said, it's so interesting because that was my experience as well. Just like, going through that process of realizing that like adults with CP have this progression of just pain and discomfort. And I'm not, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I think that just, like I said, often the wear and tear is a really real thing. Um, and just for me to be someone to say, to, you know, write a, write an article or just talk about my experience with that it's connected me with so many amazing, amazing people in my life. You know, people that I've had in my life that I never had that dialogue with, um, that really didn't understand what I was, you know, going through on a day-to-day -day basis because I didn't want to talk about it and they didn't want to ask. And then other people that I never even met that I wouldn't have met if I didn't go through that experience. And just, it's been such an amazing thing. I think it's quite enlightening and it's also, you know, I don't know when it opens you up to having that different support system, it's totally different because it changes you for the better. Like you become a stronger person, you become more wise, you become an advocate, not only for yourself, but you also are there for other people. And so, you know, when you start for me, especially, it's like when you start helping other people with disease, you not only become more comfortable with what you have, but it's almost like my disease got better because of it. Like, it's like you're helping it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's like that reverse, not even reserve, reverse psychology. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like reverse, whatever, whatever. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Either, it is. I'm just going to go with it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm with you, Becky. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I fully support you. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. So do you think that that spinal surgery was the thing that helped you the most up to now? Or are you thinking about doing anything in the future to help you anymore? Or? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely that 
my SDR surgery helped me the most, hands down. I mean, I've had so many orthopedic surgeries and I don't know if they helped me to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I don't know what shape I'd be in had I not had them. Um, I know it was really tough to go through and painful. And this was kind of different because it was like a neurological spinal situation where it wasn't an orthopedic recovery. It was retraining my body and like my neural pathways. So it was pretty wild to go through. Um, it, but I think that 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 was a tremendous source of relief for me for sure and down the road i mean i've had two bilateral osteotomies um and like so they've carved out hip sockets for me and pinned them in place and taken the pins out and done it again and just because of my hip misalignment and the weakness in my hips so i've always been told that i'm gonna need a hip replacement my hips don't bother me in the slightest. Like they really don't. I mean, they look like a hot mess, but they don't bother me. So that's I feel so like, funny. yeah, I feel like that's going to happen at some point. Cause they've been, I've been hearing this was going to happen for, I mean, 20 plus years. It's like, you will need new hips. It's like, okay. So that's <laughs> down the road, I guess, but so far so good. I mean, if not for that, I don't really foresee needing much else. Um, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. And if that one surgery helped you that much, I mean, like maybe you can just get it again, you know? So if things get worse again, hopefully they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I don't, I mean, that's something that like those, the misfiring like nerves that made my muscles super spastic and tight, like they're cut. So the majority of my pain that I was feeling, um, is gone and and that's not the case for everybody that has a surgery mm -hmm. but that's my experience and um so that was like night and day change for me and I just still have the you know you're 36 and slept wrong so now your back's killing you for a week and oh my god <laughs> I get know? that too <laughs> yeah like, I feel like some of this but and that's the thing though it's like how do you separate it's like you know, there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, this is my CP and this is my CP. And then I'm like, wait, no, I'm just getting old. Like, <laughs> yes. And then when you come to that realization, you're like, damn, I'm not 22 anymore. What happened? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. I know it's so true too. Like going camping these past two days and you'd sleep on an air mattress. You're like, oh, I'm 30 going on 84. Yeah. I don't know how you did that. I did that once no. recently. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and so like my, like, I used to like to drink alcohol all the time. Like when we go out camping, like whatever, you get a little yeah. tipsy and then you kind of like pass out a little bit. So I'm sure like you, when you go out camping and you're drinking, it's like, okay, it's a little bit different, but now I'm trying really hard to not drink alcohol like at all. And so it's so different. Cause you go to bed, you're not very comfortable to start off with. And then you wake up and you're like, why, why is this a thing? How is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Sober yeah. camping? Mm, not that fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Awesome. I have another question for you. Do you yeah. like, did they give you a reason or your parents a reason why you were born that prematurely? No. Um, I mean, I, I'm probably going to go ask my mom that when we end this, cause, but as far as I know, no, I just know, um, 
that she went into preterm labor. And then she also, you know, I have an older sister and a younger brother. So my sister was just a typical birth experience. I think she might've been like at her due date or even a little past, but I was born super early. And then my brother was also born um, premature as well. But my mom was hospitalized for five weeks, you know, leading up to his birth. And he, he's like a captain in the army. He's an amazing guy. Amazing. Active, oh, so cool. big, big guy. So, <laughs> that's so awesome. I mean, yeah, no, he, he's awesome. But, um, so but I don't really know why, but I, I also, you know, my, my kids were born premature. My son was a little bit premature and, um, my girls, but they were twins were born at 32 weeks. So they were super, super premature. But they're I how mean, how long is an actual term? I can't remember. Is it thirty seven weeks? 40? It's forty? Yeah. Is it forty? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So, I was born yeah. like three weeks early, but I was fine. I was a little impatient though. I was actually born on my dining room floor. My dad <gasps> delivered me. Yeah, no. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like a fifteen minute birth. <laughs> Your poor mother. Yeah, I know. No, my poor parents. My dad makes a joke out of it for like, it's pretty funny. Um, my dad was like, so we, I get, I don't remember this house at all, but he tells this story. It's like, he goes drinking with his friends and he has to tell the story for whatever uh -huh. reason. It's so funny. But anyways, I guess what happened was my mom, my dad was actually supposed to go away to Winnipeg that night. And like, thankfully his flight got canceled. Like the stars in the universe work sometimes in such weird ways. But anyways, so I guess he was supposed to go to Winnipeg that night or something, work trip, but he, he went the next morning. Mm -hmm. Well, he was going to go the next morning. And yeah. I guess my mom was just putting some towels away upstairs, not a big deal. And like her water broke and like had contractions like instantly. And uh, she starts walking down the stairs. She's like, get a bag. Like, we're going to go to the hospital, whatever, that sort of thing. Dad's like freaking out running. And so my mom got to the bottom of the steps. This is how fast it was. And I was already crowning. No. Yeah. yeah. And so my mom's like, what do I do? My dad's losing his mind. I was like, I would be too. Like, I don't know what I would do. And anyways, yeah. And so, um, like within, within minutes, like I was born in my dad, my dad put me on my mom's belly and he just stared at me, I guess. And my mom's reaction was like, Hugh, would you go get some effing towels? No. What did he say? Go call 911. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it was pretty funny, but, um, that's a, fun little story about me <laughs> wow and just that you like your mom's water broke and there you were I mean that's like Pretty much. very uncommon yeah and the funny thing was so my brother he had a his when he was born he was like 30 or 32 hours or something like that like long long yeah pretty yeah, funny I know it's just crazy when you think about that stuff. My dad jokes about it all the time now because he's like, you know what was really a, such a piss off? Your mom had to lay down on the carpet. The linoleum was two feet away. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, how do you clean that up? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, apparently, he was up until like five or six in the morning with like a shop vac and like a cleaner. I don't even know. I don't want to know. Like, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, sidebar there. But uh, yeah, so... Could you give any of any of our listeners a bit more advice for their struggles? Oh, what? I mean, I mean, I would just say like, 
know that regardless of your situation and what you're going through and like there's gonna be times where it's gonna absolutely be horrible and that's just that's just the truth like we all have horrible days and we all have amazing days and there's times in our life where we just feel like where I and I have felt like I've like enough of this like I just don't want to deal with it and like this stinks and I have you know that pity party for myself but I'll give myself that time like I give myself the time to get frustrated or angry or sad and and let it out and then get over it because the and at the end of the day like we have one fleeting precious beautiful life and regardless of what our challenges are or our conditions are like we have to make the most of that and we're each just capable of amazing things and of happiness and success and having a condition or disability doesn't need to be the reason that you don't you know live a lot of love definitely and I think that you know there's so much to say about that because I think there's a lot of people out there that limit themselves because of their disease you know it's like oh I have this disease I can't do that or I have this disease you know it's kind of like the obvious things like if you have chronic pain you're not going to go on I don't know go skydiving or something I don't know you know but it's like in terms of career or success or anything it's like your disease like look at what we're doing you know we're taking our diseases and using them as an advantage to help other people number one but also to make a living out of it so it's I don't know we just need to be advocates for those people and be like, don't let your disease define you. Well, and that's, <laughs> no, and that's it because it's like, I feel like that I, I just try to keep it real and be honest and like you can have a disease and you can need to like let that out and feel whatever you feel about it because yeah, realistically, you know, some people can't do things. It's like, I can't, I can't do a lot of things like I can't I'm never gonna jump around or do cartwheels or whatever and like that's the ridiculous stuff but it's just like that's not in the cards for me but that doesn't mean that I can't you know go live a have a fun day while while my kids are rolling around doing that stuff you know you could just there's always opportunity to to make it work and to find a different path it's like so what you can't do something find a different way find something else that makes you happy like it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be like this roadblock that you can't get past whatever it is and that was a bad yeah. example but there's many <laughs> things i can't do besides besides a cartwheel but you get what i'm saying yeah totally and i think that there's a lot to say about that because of the fact that like you don't just because you can't do that one thing well maybe you weren't meant to do it anyways you know it's mm-hmm. like just because you have a disease, it's, it doesn't mean that you can't do great things. It doesn't mean that, okay, fine. Like maybe you're going to be the next Tony Robbins. You're not going to be the one that's going to be jumping on stage, but you could still be as powerful as him. Like, it just depends on what you want to do and who you want to be and how you're going to get there, you know? And it's, and it's when you do have those limitations, when you do have those bad days, it's like, having a plan to getting past those bad days so that when you're having a really good day, you can get everything you need to do done to being great sort of thing. I don't know. That's my opinion. (laughs) No, and I totally am with you. And I feel like, you know, being happy is a choice. Like even on my worst day when I'm like feeling like garbage or just not in a good mood, it's like, you know what? 
I, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good day. And I'll just say that to myself, like I'll literally like take a deep breath and say that you're going to have a good day because it's attitude is attitude is everything. And just having that positive mental attitude makes a world of difference. And even if you have to lie to yourself, even if it feels like a lie in that moment, like I lie to myself all the time, you know, it's like, you know, how many times are you crying and you tell yourself it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like that's a coping mechanism, but it's healthy because things will be okay. And so to yes. really just take that a step further into those other moments where you're struggling, it's, it can be really powerful. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and it's totally okay to say yourself, say to yourself, like, you know, I feel like shit, but I'm not going to let this feeling define how good of a good or bad of a day that I'm going to have. It's like, I still have chronic insomnia. And so sometimes I'll be awake at three, four, sometimes five o'clock in the morning. And I'll just sit there and I'll say to myself, I know I'm not going to sleep tonight, but it's not going to define how good or bad my day is tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a great day, even though I've had two hours of sleep. It's fine you know, yeah. and then you wake up, you're a little grumpy, but you're like, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to still have a good day. It's okay. Yeah. Right. I'll sleep right. tomorrow. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. It's like, I think that there's like a fine balance between like just suppressing and sugarcoating and ignoring and then like letting it monopolize like your headspace and just your overall just outlook on your day and your life. And I think that the more you let your brain spiral and stay in that bad mood and in that bad temperament, the more that it becomes chronic, right? Like the grumpy you are, the worse your day is, the worse your week gets, the blah, 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 blah. And then you become like Eeyore and it's like, oh, I lost my tail. Where'd it go? Every single day though. Yeah. It's so funny you say Eeyore because as a kid, that was like my favorite character. Mm. And now I'm like, I was probably my favorite character because I was like super just sad all the time. Like, <laughs> like I identified with that. And, and now I'm like, oh, I don't want to be Eeyore. Yeah, exactly. I want to be, be like Happy Little Pooh Bear. <laughs> yeah, or like Tigger. Maybe not that crazy, but that's like my dog. My dog is Tigger. <laughs> but yeah, and it's, it's actually so funny that we talk about that because I've been so... Whenever, whenever me or my boyfriend have a bad day, it's just the funniest thing because they'll go up to each other and be like, did you lose your tail? (laughs) So it's so funny. (laughs) But then it immediately kind of puts a little smile on your face. You're like, yeah, I lost my tail today. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) A little levity is a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Simplicity, right? (laughs) Awesome, Liz. Well, thank you so much for your time and your advice. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Thank you, Becky. This has been awesome. Um, people can get in touch with me many, many ways. I am um, a professional life coach and I have a website. It's www.lizbenendahl.com. I know that is quite the name um, and hard to spell, but maybe Becky will, will write it somewhere and you can copy and paste. And um, <laughs> And so I can be reached on my website where you can find all my other contact information as well. And, you know, anyone who would love to like to reach out, I would love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. And we'll have all of your links and everything on the description of the podcast here. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, our lovely listeners, that's all for this episode. And Liz and I are off like a herd of turtles. (laughs) 